Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. Hey, what do you guys think about being inside? So I'm hearing don't go outside. You don't like the sun beating on you and sweating and, and having to, if it's your first day, you don't know what we've been through. You don't know. You're so lucky. We're jealous of you for being, no, for one year we've been outside which is incredible, and that we still have a church. We didn't even have a building, uh, but people were just committed, and we would literally just set up things, try to follow the shadows, stay out of the sun, and did it for a year. Hot days, cold days, um, semi-rainy days, we toughed it out, uh, but it's just cool to, to be here. Uh, the school's been amazing for us, and so uh, we're super, super uh, thankful. Um, just so you know, we are beginning to transition now that we're kind of in a building, um, there's going to be opportunities, and I use that word opportunities, so we have a great attitude towards it. There's going to be opportunities for you to serve in many capacities. Um, we're going to need a few more people helping out with um, some setup and teardown. As you notice, there's probably a little echo in here, uh, which can sound really cool when we're worshiping. It's like when you're in the bathroom, your voice, you think your voice sounds good because it's echoey, right? Then you go in your car, you're like, oh my God, I sound like horrible. Uh, you're going to always sound great when you come to church from now on, but we want to soften it up a little bit. We have curtains purchased. We just don't have the bodies to set up those curtains, turn them down, things like that. Not a lot. It's not like you're getting here at 6 a.m. or anything like that, but maybe an hour before church, uh, stay about an hour after church, things like that. And so we're going to have opportunities. If you're, I know, yeah, you're excited. If you can serve, if you're not on a team right now and you're like, you know what? I want to be a part of this. I want to help build this church. I want to be a part of uh, doing you know, my thing to contribute. It's not an every week thing. We ask people to serve once or twice a month. And so everything from worship, they're all volunteers, to the people in children's ministry taking care of your kids, loving on you that way, all those kinds of things. We have these um, communication cards. And so they're up front here. I don't know if there's one over here, but there's one over here with pens. If you can just write your name on that, if you don't even know like where to serve, just put serve on here somewhere and I will contact you probably about an hour after service, like today. I'll contact you and I'll be weeping, but happy. So um, just a heads up on that. We are going to need some help if we're going to continue to progress in some things we want to do here on the campus. Also to let you know is uh, right now, because of Setup and Teardown, so that was a good little segue, like we have a screen where we can put the words up so you can actually like see the words. Some of you, I, I noticed you were kind of mouthing whatever just to feel a part of worship, you know, because you didn't know the words. That's okay. Um, but uh, we'd love to put the words up here. It's going to take some setup to do that. Uh, but for now, until we get that team going, uh, we do have worship songs in the back. And so I think there's a couple more back there. So if you'd like to actually know the lyrics we're singing for the rest of the service, we have those on the back table back there. Um, lots going on. Uh, the fall, just so you know, I've told you a few times, we're going to be going through the book of Acts. If you want to begin to read through that, uh, the fall and even in the next spring, the focus of our churches is our society is opening up. It's giving us great opportunities to now re-engage people with kind of a missional outreach mindset. And we're just going to be taking time because the book of Acts is when the church really expanded from nothing into something of significance. And uh, so we're going to talk that through. What does that mean for us as a church? What did God do? What is he doing today? So we're going through the book of Acts. We're also going to have some opportunities to do missions. And so you're going to have opportunities to serve uh, those that are either disconnected from God or disadvantaged in some way to show God's love to them. Uh, we visited an orphanage that I loved uh, this summer. Phenomenal people running a phenomenal orphanage in Tijuana. And so they have opportunities as far as one 
uh, one, uh, they have two campuses. One campus is for little kids. So those that like little kids, you like to play, make some lunch and just kind of hang out and play. Opportunity for those of us maybe that are like into teenagers, want to interact more. They have training opportunities where if you can bring a skill, uh, teaching English, teaching sports, jujitsu, surfing, something like that, they really like when they're trained in something. And so you're gonna have opportunities this fall to go be missional. So we're gonna give you all those opportunities this fall. Also in September, we're starting connection groups. Uh, we've had a phenomenal summer. Uh, we offered a healthy families class, which just wrapped up. Those of you in the healthy families class, we've had a blast. It's been amazing. We're gonna offer that class again, but um, that we just had a great time. Now we're back into connection groups. Connection groups primarily focus on discussing uh, the sermon. You're going to have a challenge each week too that you get to share with people about and then just praying together. It's about an hour and a half, 6.30 to 8. But it's a great time to get to know people, get that support in your life, but also just us sharpening and sharing with each other is really, really important. That's starting in September. Signups, I talked to Andrew, they're live on our app, uh, which is Access Church. It's the green and black Access Church. There's other ones, but we have the green and black icon. Uh, or you can go to our website. So get signed up. We have a Wednesday and Thursday night group, two options. Both groups are in Marietta. So those even, we have people from South Temecula and all the way up into Hemet that come to church here. So we're kind of trying to meet you halfway. So everybody's happy, right? Nobody's mad about it. You can go halfway. And so that's what's happening for the fall. Okay, does that sound good? <laughs> clapping for announcements. This is gonna be a good start. We're clapping for announcements. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Um, I love how worship started off because it focuses God and we're singing nothing's better than you. And we need a reminder of that because for some of us, we started off so on fire for you and there was nothing better than you, but then we accumulated other people and things that now replace you, God. And so we just need a reminder today of what this life is about, what eternal life is about and what you are about. God, I pray today would be encouraging. I pray our hearts would be receptive I pray we have ears to hear. And Jesus, we just ask that you would speak to us because we know you're relational and you love to give each one of us encouragement and focus for the week because you care about us. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for loving us so much that we, you didn't want us to be in the dark, but you sent Jesus. And Jesus, you proclaimed that you are God. You are the fullness of God so that we can know the way, the truth, and the life. We don't have to trust on government. We don't trust on education. We don't have to trust in our own skills. We don't have to trust in our looks. We can trust in you to live this life and to live forever. And I just thank you for that. It brings incredible peace, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Um, I haven't watched much of the Olympics, caught a few things. There was a, um, uh, an, an interview with a woman who won a, a gold medal and, and they asked her uh, you know, this question as far as, you know, what was your key to success? You know, why did you get the gold? And a very insightful answer because a lot of athletes just kind of point to themselves. You know, I've worked hard. Nobody knows as an Olympian how hard I work, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but this woman who won, um, and I have inklings, she's a, a Christian. She gives the signs of it. I don't know, but it's kind of cool uh, to give credit to God and things like that. But what she said is this, I won because I did everything that my coach asked me to do. Why did you win? because I trusted my coach, and when they told me to do it, I did it, even when I didn't want to do it. And with the topic today, I'm like, that fits perfectly in. 
uh, we're in this little uh, mini-series, five weeks before we jump into the book of Acts, called Essentials of Faith. What are the essential things that need to be a part of our faith for us to be successful? I want us to kind of stop as a church because as we go into the book of Acts, just so you know, as we go into being people that really want to bring people to Jesus, that we have a joy and a peace that we really desire other people to have, that we really understand that there's one shot at this life. It's not a movie that when Jesus says, listen, there is a judgment coming. And it's not based off your morality. It's not based off your IQ. It's not based off your church attendance. It's not based off how Christian you look. It's whether you knew me or not, whether you gave your life to me or not, whether you asked for forgiveness for not your rebellion towards your parents, but your rebellion towards the maker of the universe, that that matters and he's gonna keep his word. Not everybody makes it in. If that doesn't spark something in our hearts, like, oh my gosh, I care about my neighbor. I care about my family. I care about those people around the world that they, they don't even know about the gospel. They've never heard the name of Jesus. Outreach is always gonna require faith. We're gonna have to trust God. And that's why I wanna stop and say, where's our faith at? Do we have those essentials so we can be a church that is looking really to reach out because it's gonna take great faith. It's not gonna be techniques and skills and ask this question, throw this kind of party, but you know, kind of trick them and then share the gospel with it. We're not gonna do all that. We're gonna trust God and he's gonna use you. Whatever you say, whether it's dumb or whether it's good or whether it's funny or whatever, he'll use you if you trust him. So what are these essentials of faith? Last week we talked about that. One of the essentials of faith is that we have to be reflective and receptive to God's word. Do we slow down? Do we make any time on our schedule to hear the voice of God, to get into the word of God? Because he actually wants to speak to us. He wants to correct us. He wants to lead us. He has plans for us. And we talked about if we don't make space just to listen, to crowd out the noise, the music, the movies, the people, to crowd up the noise, though also internally our fears, our insecurities, our worries, our, what you said, Jay, ego. You see, God, he wants to speak louder than our own voice. He wants to speak louder than our parents' voice. Some of us are in our 40s and we still have the voice of our dad and his disapproval or his shame. And God's like, listen, you can go to counseling and maybe work on some of that, but here's the best thing you can do. Listen primarily to the voice of God. So we talked about that. We gotta do that. It's an essential. If that's not in our faith, where our faith is gonna really struggle. This week kind of goes with that. That one of the essentials of faith is though is not just reflecting and being receptive to God's word, but this, if you wanna write this down, it's responding to God's words and instructions. It's this word that we don't really like, but it's important, it's actually very freeing and encouraging. What's this word? Obedience. Obedience, obey. I say that and some of you are like, you cringe, right? Maybe you had a, a, a strong-handed parent. Just obey me, why? Because I what? Said so, right? And you think God's the same way. Why is he asking me to do that? Because I said so. Let's get that out. God wants you to obey because he is the maker of life, the giver of life, and wants to show you truly how to live life, but you have to listen and then respond. I don't know if you know in your life, but I know my life. Is there something in us, though, that just doesn't like obeying? There is something that says just rebellious, right? They're just, I don't want to listen to that person. I don't want to listen to that teacher. I don't want to listen to that coach. I don't want to listen to you. I don't want to, right? It's just, we, we, we have to fight that, right? And then we can bring that to God. Well, I like what he says that about trusting him, but I don't like that. So I'm gonna say no to that. And what I wanna to propose to you today is that we are gonna lack success 
in being a Christian. As far as, and what I mean by success is not that just like, like successful, like you're better than other people. I'm just talking like being successful, moving forward, maturing, gaining momentum, getting stronger, being more proficient and trusting God, loving people, praying, all that kind of stuff. It's gonna take a mind that, that says, you know what? Whether I doubt him, whether I disagree with him, I'm gonna trust him. And if he says it, I'm gonna do it. We see the importance of this in the scriptures. Um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 um, says this, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting, and here's the important phrase here, and training in righteousness. Do you realize that the Bible is given to you not so you can memorize or put a tattoo on your back or spat out cool words and look super Christian? Like, that's not the goal. The Bible is actually a training manual. Well, what does that imply if it's a training manual? What it means is you are unskilled and untrained and inadequate. That's what it implies, right? You only have a training manual if you lack something. And what the Bible says is when it comes to spiritual effectiveness, we lack a lot. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, you're like, Ron, I went to a Christian college. Awesome, good for you, dude, you know? I've grown up in the church. Whatever it is, we lack that. And the Bible trains us. And what does training do? It gives you skills. It helps you to be successful, effective, wise, efficient. All, that's what the Bible does. It says that it's God-breathed. So the Bible is through man, but from God. And it's useful to train in righteousness. So why? Why do this? It says in verse 17, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you realize that when God's asking you to obey in a certain area, that's because he wants to equip you for every good work, that there are good works this week that God wants you to do. There are good works. So he's trying to equip you through the scripture. Thus, when the Bible convicts you of sin, it's actually a joyful thing because he goes, no, I, I need to convict you. I need to change you so that you can go and change others. Here's what you'll find. The more you trust God, and obey him in changing you internally, the more he'll use you to change others. But when I hold on to sin, have you noticed that when I hold on to sin, things that are rebellious towards God, things that God says, no, 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 that's not good for you, but I choose to hold on to it and hide it from others and just say, but I need this. That's like my blankie from a kid, right? I just need it because it comforts me and sin can comfort you. But here's the thing. Is it good for a person to go away to college and Go to class and still have their blankie. No, no, no. You got to put that blankie away. If you remember in college, you didn't know that. Put the blankie away, right? You don't need it. You think you need it. No, no, no. You're growing up. It's time to mature. And it's the same thing in our walks with God. He wants to change our sin, not to condemn us. Remember this. The blood of Jesus forgives all past, present, future sins. And that's super important because if you believe it doesn't, that means the blood of Jesus isn't sufficient. And the Bible says his grace is sufficient. All your sins are forgiven. And what that does, that really tests your heart because some of us are like, sweet, now I have a license to sin, I'm forgiven. And what that does, that just reveals a lot about your heart. You see, you wanted a free pass to heaven. You didn't want someone to walk with you who's a God through life. It reveals more about you than God. But some of us, everything's forgiven, right? 
And now all of a sudden that nervousness of does God love me or not, it's set. And now he can change me in the comfort of, I'm not changing you to condemn you. I'm changing you to use you. So God convicts me. I can share with others. I'm so stoked. I'm an idiot. Look what God's doing in my life. That's rad. And we're not like, oh, poor you. We're like, that's cool. I'm going to change it. I'm going to work on it this week. But here's the thing. It only works if you actually try to change it and obey him rather than being like, I feel convicted. Have you ever met someone like that? They feel convicted, but they never change. Most of, uh, you know, I've talked about this in the healthy families class. The difference between good marriages and, and, and really unhealthy marriages. Unhealthy marriages, they'll acknowledge what they do wrong. They just never want to change it. Yeah, I've been doing that for 10 years. I thought I should stop, but there's always a but there, right? And here's the thing. They, they, they can acknowledge, yeah, I'm an idiot there. Yeah, I need to stop that. They just never do. Healthy marriages, when a spouse says, this hurts my feelings, they acknowledge it. And what do they do? They change it that week. That, those marriages gain momentum. That love deepens. That sense of, oh my gosh, another human being changed their pattern for me. Now I want to change it for them. It's the same thing with God. How do I know love? How do I, how do I know I love God? I want to encourage you with this. It's not by the level of your conviction. It's by the love of your obedience. Because all of us can feel bad at times. But love and that momentum with God really goes when I say, you know what? I'm not just going to feel bad. I'm going to respond and see how good his plans really are when he changes me. God wants to equip you for good works, the Bible says, but only when you train for righteousness, you're active. John 14, 23, let's take the words of Jesus. Jesus says this, anyone who loves me will listen to my teaching. Is that what your Bible says? Anyone who loves me will tattoo my teaching on their upper back. Is that what your Bible says? Oh, I'm sorry. Anyone who loves me will what? Obey my teaching. That's a, those are pretty strong words. He's not saying you're going to be perfect, but there's going to be an ability to apply what he lays on your heart, to follow through. When he says, go reach out to that person. Go be generous with your money here. Oh, but I could go on vacation. I know, but you're going to support a missionary. Go encourage your wife. What do you mean? I encourage her all the time. No, it's actually been a couple years since they said some encouraging words. Go call that friend. I haven't spoken to him in two years. You don't know they're going through depression and God wants to use you. Obey him. But I haven't talked to him. What if he doesn't obey? Why do I obey? Not out of fear that I'll be condemned, but out of love of I've been forgiven. God has loved me so much. How do I show my love to him? Not by crying during worship not by taking communion, not just drinking one cup, but drinking three cups because I feel so bad about my sin. I see some of you guys. You're like, it's been a rough week. There's no alcohol, so, you know, it's not going to numb you, all right? Obey God. What's God's love, love language? You know what his love language is? Just obey. Just follow through. Just trust him that he has good things he wants to lead you towards. He goes on to say, my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. God makes his home, not with people who are super talented. We gotta be careful of that. We think people that are talented, you can preach well, you can evangelize well, you memorize the Bible, you, do, you, you have all these talents. God is not impressed with talents. He care less. You know who he's impressed with? Who he makes his home with? The humble person that never gets any glory on a Sunday service, but week in, week out, they just obey Jesus. 
He says, I make my home with them. James 1 encourages us with this. I, I love the book of James. If you want to feel like a, just an idiot and get like, just have someone like, like a coach, like one of those football, you ever heard like a sports coach that loved to yell at you, but he did a good job, you know, motivate. James 1, he'd be a football coach just yelling at you. Come on. Great book. James 1 says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The Bible actually says that we're deceptive in our faith if we read the Bible a lot, but we never apply it. That's why I encourage you guys. I want you to memorize the Bible. I read huge chunks of the Bible. That's enjoyable for me. But that's not the main thing that draws me close to God. The main thing that draws me close to God is when I read a scripture, I stop, I circle a word or I circle a sentence, and I say, for the next month, I'm going to try to live that out. Give me 30 days to live that out. I would rather you read one verse and apply it than read the whole Bible in a year and never remember what you read. The Bible says, hey, don't read it and think you're super spiritual. You're, de you're deceived. You feel close to God, but I don't think he feels close to you. Read a verse, apply the verse. Don't be anxious, but pray in all situations. Try for one month to not be anxious. And every time you have an anxious thought, you just, you just go to God. You just go to him. Love your enemies as I have loved you. Take time. Think about who people are your enemies. You don't like them. You really don't. You would never admit it, but you kind of wish bad things upon them. Or you will not rejoice. If their life goes well, you're like, oh, I'm not going to be happy, right? I mean, you'll be happy when you post on Facebook. Like, oh, I love you. Congratulations. But inside, you're like, why did they get the job? Or why did they get the money? And I, you know, we all have those enemies. Bob says, love them. Try for 30 days to go love your enemies. And not just be like, all oh, right, Brian, I'll pray for them. Nah, that's weak love, all right? We all can pray in our little room. No, go send them an encouraging note. Tell them that you're really proud of them. Go help them when they're in need and with no credit without telling anybody. Apply it. Obedience is the key to success. James 2 goes on the next chapter and says this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, well, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, is dead. Woo. Verse 18 says this in James 2. Well, some people say, you have faith, I have deeds. James says, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I want to encourage you with this. One of the beings that knows the Bible the best is the devil. I don't know if you remember, but remember when he, I don't know if you remember, but remember. Oh, all right, Brian, they don't. Um, you might remember, let's put it that way. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, how did Satan tempt him? Does anybody remember? With the Bible. Satan tried to tempt the Son of God with the Word of God. He knows it. He just tries to twist it. Right? What James is saying is, listen, if you think the more I know the Bible, the more the, the godlier I am, it's like, no, 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 no. The difference between only demonic faith and Christian faith, the only difference is this. Both know the Bible. One applies the Bible and obeys it. The other one doesn't. 
That's a biggie. I remember as a young Christian, 19 years old, reading that. And the guy that was mentoring me, we went through a whole year. We went through the book of James. He, he looked at me and he said, so make sure you don't have demonic faith. And I was like, whoa, you know, it's like, that sounds weird, demonic faith. But he's like, the faith of a demon is, yeah, the Bible, yep, but I'm not going to live it out. A couple things I want us to think through as we went through those passages. One is this, if you're, if you're taking notes, there's really two key points and maybe a couple of questions I'll have you think about. One is this. How can we kind of live that obedient life where it doesn't become a burden, you know, where obeying is actually a joyful thing rather than like, oh, I gotta obey God. Oh, I gotta listen to God. Like, it's a cool thing. Like, how do we do that? A couple things I want you to think about and maybe during worship, you can kind of let the Holy Spirit just speak to you. First one is this. View God's instructions as an opportunity in your life, not an obstacle in your life. View obedience as an opportunity Rather, many of us view obedience as an obstacle, like, oh, it's difficult, or, oh, that's, that's going to keep me from doing what I want to do if I listen to them. It's gonna, I'm going to have less money, less time. I'm going to, no, no, view it as, wow, what an opportunity that I get to be trained in righteousness, that I get to be used by God to maybe impact someone else's life. I want to encourage you with this. Obedience is participating with God in his will to change you and others. That's what obedience is. Obedience is I'm gonna participate with God in his will or his desire to change me and to change others. I'm participating with them. That's why Ephesians 2.10 reminds us, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. What are we created? To do good works. You're actually created by God to go do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. It's exciting to realize if you obey God this week, if you listen to his word and listen to his spirit, that both of them will lead you towards good works this week. This week. The key is, are you making room for God to maybe give you opportunities to obey him? Are you listening and then responding? Obedience is participating with God in his will. So here's what faith is. It's believing that God has a will for you this week, today in the next month. See, what many of us do is we plan out our lives and then we try to fit God within our plans. And we exclude him in ways because we think he'll never do something great through me rather than saying, let me put my plans around what God wants to do. Maybe today you have chores planned. We got to go shopping. We got all of it. It's like, all right, maybe you got to do that stuff. But wait, does God want to do something within that? Are you leaving room for God that while you're shopping, you might see someone that you haven't seen in a few years and rather than just saying, hey, how's the kids? Oh yeah, work's going well. All right, I gotta get shopping to stop and be like, oh, maybe God wants me to encourage him. And then as I talk to him, I find out he hasn't been to church in a couple of years and that he went through a divorce and I can't believe that in a shopping center, he's sitting here bearing a soul and I didn't know the dude that well. But now, and also it dawns on me, it's like God's like, it's not about shopping. But in our world, we think, no, it's about shopping. That's what I mean by his will, right? So, so obedience is participating with God in his will to change you and to change others. So obedience is all about, I'm gonna change myself and then I'm gonna change others and God's gonna use me. So view God's instructions as an opportunity, not an obstacle in your life. The second one is this, see success, see success, see a successful day. How do I know I'm close to God or this has been a great day? View a great day as implementing God's word, not being informed by God's word. This is going to be a controversial one. 
So view success as I implemented God's word rather than I was just informed about God's word. Many times we view success as this. How was the church service? Oh, it was a great day. I felt very encouraged. But that's actually not success. Success is when this week I'm able to apply what I heard from the word of God. So it hasn't been a successful week yet. We're off to a good start. We're here. But it hasn't been successful yet. What if you viewed a great day rather than everything you got accomplished? What if when you laid your head down at night, you only determined if it was a great day if you did what God wants you to accomplish? Right? Many times it's, I got everything I wanted done. I got everything like that. And God's like, well, yeah, you're happy. I'm not. Because I had some really cool plans for you. Psalm 128, one through two says this, blessed are all who fear the Lord. And by the way, that word blessed, it's become Christianized. You know, blessed, all it means is happy. Literally, it just means happy. You will be happy if you fear the Lord. And it goes on to say, those who walk in obedience to him. Blessed are those who fear the Lord and walk in obedience to him. And it says this in verse two, you will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. I wanna be prosperous in my walk with God. I wanna be blessed by God. Here's the secret. Be obedient this week. Just flat out listen and obey. Follow through on the way he leads and convicts. May our best day this week be one that not goes according to our plan, but his will. That's a great day. A couple questions maybe to ask yourself. Sometimes I like you to ask yourself questions and maybe process that through. Here's a couple questions to think about. Do I view my love for God in feelings or actions? Do I view my love for God in feelings or actions? Here's why I, want, I have that question. We live in a romanticized culture that is all about emotions. We view dating and marriage as all about this, these movies, right, that are very romanticized. And that's why I do so much marriage counseling because I live in a culture that romanticizes and there's no idea about commitment, toughness, perseverance, and actually responding to the other person rather than trying to bomb the other person. You wanna see a healthy marriage? Two people that have been active, listening, following through, hearing their needs, making movements, making adjustments. The Bible says the two become one. It's not one person staying two in a marriage. That's the difference. But we bring this romanticism to God. Oh, I feel so close to God. I can't tell you how many people that they felt so close to God, but I know their life, they're not living for God at all. And they're deceived and my heart breaks. Because I can't, I can't, you can't do that to someone. Like, I feel so close to God. Well, <laughs> you're not. Like, that's not gonna go well. Maybe some of you have tried it. You're like, ooh, I did that this week, right? That never goes well, right? Right? Same thing in relationships. Like, oh, I feel so close to this person. And my mom, I'm like, no, you're just, you got hormones going, that's it. You know, you're just like, but we deceive ourselves. Now, here's the thing. Are feelings good? Yes, if based on reality of actions. So when two people have these great feelings, but they have no actions of really learning how to love and forgive and communicate and change and adapt, it's not based on something really deep yet. Now, a new relationship, that's what you're building. That's where when people, they start dating, I'm like, don't get too romanticized. That's the deception of sex. All the deception of sex is, it's not like, oh, it's dirty when dating. And it's, it's like, no, it's, it's really good. But it's better in marriage because 
the revealing of myself, I've already revealed myself in other ways outside the bedroom and makes it more beautiful inside the bedroom. And our world's deceived to get it backwards. Does that make sense? And that got me, yeah, one person. The rest are like, eh, I don't know about that, Brian. Oh. All right, I'll move on to the second question. Awkward church service number 322. Second question is this. Do I celebrate my faith by what God does for me or what I do for him? Do I celebrate my faith by what God does for me or what I do for him? Here's why I'm asking this question. I'm down for God doing stuff for us. And do I get an amen that he's always doing stuff for us? Like God's always doing stuff for us. But what happens is we only celebrate what he does for him and we never celebrate a day where I do something for him. I think it's cool for us to take a whole week and say, I'm only gonna celebrate when I truly just step out in faith and do something for God. Because here's the thing, you always know he's doing something for you. So I'm not trying to dismiss what God does for you. I'm just saying what happens when we get one-sided and we only look at what God does for me rather than being, and God's like, hey, I, I, let's talk about reciprocation here, you know? Because <laughs> why? We're actually in a relationship with God. Think about that. You're in a relationship, which means there's reciprocation, right? I had a great day at the beach yesterday. Um, we had some of us from church hang out together. It, it, was, it was amazing. The best part, honestly, though, wasn't the conversations. It wasn't the perfect 75 degrees. It was beautiful. And in Oceanside, we had no overcast. Like, it's always overcast there. And I really like the sun. I really do. It wasn't that. It wasn't going in the water, swimming. Enjoyed all that. Now, if I'm not following God, all those were the best. It was the best day because I was inspired by two people. And I want to encourage you with this. The best way for us to inspire each other as a church is to be people who obey. There's nothing like being in a small group and, and someone that's on fire for God, not emotionally on fire, like, ah, I just feel so close to him, but you're like, it's not based on anything. But someone's like, yeah, I trusted God here. That was hard, but I saw the fruit of it. I trusted God. Like, I get pumped when I see people just obeying God. I'm like, I wanna obey him too. I wanna participate, right? I get jealous, right? It's cool. That's why as a church, we wanna share that. Just so you know, we're a church. We'll share our sins and our, I hope we do. We're not acting like we have everything together. But also, we're not a therapy group. We have hope. So we can share the downside, but we can also say, but God's doing some good things and I shouldn't feel bad that, you know what? Good things happen this week. So I wanna be a church that can celebrate that too. Not only the downside, but the upside. Not only the failures, but there should be successes. I love being around and seeing obedience. And I got to see that yesterday. Some of this might be too much sharing, you guys, but you know, I, if I'm gonna err, I wanna be very vulnerable and very honest with you. Keegan was one. All right, dang, I'm gonna try not to cry. Stop looking at me, bro. Just look down at the ground or something. Making this awkward service. <sighs> Let me look at Ephraim. He'll help me not to cry. Yeah, Ephraim just gives me the fist. I'll punch you, dude. Um, Keegan comes back, uh, went to the bathroom, came back. He's like, dude, I was in there and I could tell... Keegan's had his addictions, and uh, God's really freed him uh, through that. And um, now God's using him. Just so you know, that's why God wants to change you. Any of us that are going through addictions or any of us that have these sins that we're holding on to, because sin distracts you from opportunities to bless because you're so consumed by yourself. And as God's worked that through in your life, right, he's in there, he notices this dude 
Was it, would you think it was, uh, it's probably something pretty severe, like meth or something like that? Heroin. Dude, come, was he coming off the high? Was he shaky? Yeah. Come in the bathroom. I bet for most of us, we'd be like, get me out of this bathroom. Thinking about me. Keegan looked at him and saw for what he was. Starts talking to him, right? I forget everything you're sharing with me, but you just start talking about your life. Tell him, oh, I'm here with my church. You know, just trying to be encouraging, all that kind of stuff. And what if the beach day, part of God's will was for Keegan? And Keegan's got, you know, small kids. Um, you guys were at the beach, you were busy. All the reasons to get out of the bathroom and be like, all right, good luck, bro. He's a busy man. Make space. What if the goal that day was not even about the beach for him? Is like, there's a dude I'm going to bring coming off meth. Keegan, I need you there. Because Keegan could recognize it. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to recognize it. Keegan's like, dude, that, that dude needs Jesus. You're obedient, bro. And that's, I mean, I was just there, I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Um, this happens every once in a while where people have a strong opinion about you as a pastor. And I had that. There was a, uh, a couple of people that um, loved on them, helped them in a lot of different ways and um, got an email, not even a conversation about how they were disappointed in my character and who I was and as a leader had some other colorful things to say. Um, and left the church. Heartbroken, right? Where it's like, wow, no conversation, no like, all right, you know, and everybody's got their thing and who knows where God's got them and all that kind of stuff. Very hurtful though. Um, and what you'll know is as a spouse, some of us, like I don't, like I get over things pretty quickly, but when my wife hears about it, it's just like, that's, she carries it, right? And that was a burden for her. Out of the blue, show up to the beach. Awkward. If I'm not thinking about God's will and obedience, oh, now's the time to give a little piece of my mind. Let's have a conversation, right? The whole time, obey God, obey God. How did God respond? How did Jesus respond when people said things to him? What is the Bible? Like, it's just going through my brain, right? I'm gonna be very, I'm just gonna be very vulnerable. Some of you are like, bro, can't respect them and leave the church. Awesome. But the best way I could love them was just say hi. Hey, how you doing? And I'm just like, I don't know what else to do right now. Right? You know what inspired me is I know how deeply hurt my wife was. Went over, talking, asking about life. It's just inspiring. I'm like, I'll, I'll be honest, guys. Never more beautiful in my life. Like, that's a woman of God. I'm the pastor. And I'm just like, eh, you know, like this. There's my wife. Beautiful. They were packing up, ready to go. Hey, let's help. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to help, you know. But I'm like, ah, praise God, right? You know, just like, you know, inspiring. Here's the thing. This story isn't about them. Not, it's not even about, I want you guys to hear beyond that. Because what does the Bible say? Love your enemies as I have loved you. Have I been mean to God? Have I been unfaithful? Have I said things to God? Have I done things to God? Yes. Then why can I not love someone else? Maybe that's hurt me a little bit, whether they meant to or not. That day was great because of your obedience and my wife's obedience. Your day is great, not if all the things go according to your plan, but according to his will. That's all I got, you guys. Yeah. Hey, if it's your first time, they never clap. So I don't know what, I think it's just we're inside. They're like, we're inside air conditioning, shut up. So that never happens, but...
I almost didn't give this sermon because I feel like, man, if someone comes for the first time, they'd be like, obey, I'm out. But I hope this encourages you. So we're going to have communion. And just, you know, we take communion just to say, thank you, Jesus, we love you. That's it, real simple. If you want to pray together with your friends or family, or maybe you want to take it by yourself, just you and Jesus, you can do what you want. But I encourage you guys um, to take communion. During, you come up whenever you want. I'm not going to serve you. Worship to you, go and come on up. And let's just let God speak to us now. And uh, we'll just worship him and wrap this thing up and be on with our day. But let me pray as the team comes up and then we'll start worshiping. Jesus, it's just not a popular topic to talk about. Obey God. It sounds so simple, but it's very hard for us. And I think one of the obstacles to our faith is it's easier for us to kind of be like religious than to be obedient. It's easier for us to have a Christian t-shirt, go to church, just kind of be somewhat nice that's just easier religion. Religion's easier than a relationship with you. But God, I don't want to be a religious church. And I want to be a church that will engage with tough things. And I just pray this week that we get excited about our life just by being obedient. Like, that's exciting. And God, when we fail in any way, I pray we'd be obedient to repent. That's the beauty of obedience. When we mess up, you're like, no problem. Be obedient then by just confessing, repenting, and getting up and trying again, trusting that you will strengthen us and you will break us free from sin. But also I pray we'd be excited this week to obey you because I know you want us to impact others. What Keegan did is an inspiration to our church. It shows us that no matter where we're at, the beach, the grocery store, in our home, that you're constantly having assignments for us if we would just listen and then respond and go speak to that person, go love that person, go do that thing that we need to do. So God, I pray that we would please you this week more than ourselves and that we'd actually really be stoked about it. We worship you now. You are good and you deserve our obedience. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go toaccesschurch.com.